Um, good morning, morning, everybody. Just want to encourage you, if you are around um, after church, do please, um, do please join us for um, a picnic. It would be lovely just to spend some time together in Rookery Park. It's not far away. Um, I've not got any food ready for it, so I'll be popping to Greg's, I think, actually, not KFC or Co-op. I think I might try Greg's this week. Um, there are other establishments on the high street. Uh, I won't go through them all. Um, but feel free to pick something up and join us. Um, after our gathering, after we've finished here, um, we'll leave the tables as they are, um, and we'll spend some time just maybe having a drink and, and then getting ready to prepare ourselves to walk down together to, to Rookery Park. So I'm really excited and looking forward to that. But um, before we do that, I'm also really excited that I get the opportunity um, to share something from God's Word to us. Over the summer, we're starting off a short um, sermon series on stories that Jesus told. We're going to be looking at a number of parables and stories that Jesus told. So a parable is a short metaphorical story. Um, it's something that uses symbols to mean something else. And basically, Jesus' parables are all about highlighting some aspect of the kingdom of God. And so over the next five or six weeks, we'll be looking at a different aspect of um, one of his parables, of what it shares about the kingdom of God. It's, the kingdom of God is being revealed. It's a mystery that's been hidden for ages and now is being revealed to his people through Jesus in the word. And so his goal, Jesus' goal, was, as me and Kenny were talking about this morning, Kenny was sharing how often people think the parables are there to make things easy to hear or easy to, to understand and to learn. But actually, Jesus' intention was, no. It's actually going to be harder. Some people are not going to understand the parables or understand what I'm saying. And so the parables draw some people closer to him, while for others it pushes them or it leads them further away. We see that, don't we? The Pharisees, what happens to them is they hear Jesus speaking and sharing stories. They oppose Jesus. They don't like his teaching. They don't understand it. This is not good. But for the crowds, for the disciples... They're eager to hear more. They don't quite fully understand what he's saying. And often, disciples are pulling him to one side saying, explain what you're talking about there. But there's an eagerness. They want to know. And Jesus says, those who have ears, let them hear. And so I pray for us this morning that if we have ears, let us hear what God has to speak to us. So, first of all, the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven that Jesus And that the kingdom of heaven is God's rule and reign over and through his people in this world. God is the ultimate king of this world. He rules it. But he doesn't look like it, does it, sometimes? It doesn't look like it sometimes. Because of man's rebellion, we destroyed God's rule and reign, his rightful place as ruler of our lives. Every human being is guilty of that. Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Here, it's coming. Listen. Listen to me. Repent of your sins. Repent of your rebellion. Your ultimate sin is rebelling from God and not having him in, our right, in his rightful place as our king, ruler of our lives. Jesus came and said, come and place yourself in the right kingdom. Repent. Believe. And be part of God's family. That's what I've come to share with you. So, what is the kingdom of God like? What is the kingdom of God like? And Matthew 13, which is the, one of the passages we're going to look at today, the wheat and the weeds, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Um, Matthew 13 tells several parables in this chapter. So if you turn to that in your Bibles, we'll look at it in a moment. 
believe that if anyone can get there quicker than me, please shout out the page number. 978. Brilliant. And so Jesus um, shares, what is the kingdom of heaven like, or the kingdom of God? That, those words are used interchangeably um, in, um, in the Bible. And so he says that it's like a mustard seed in verses 31 to 33 of chapter 13. The kingdom of God is going to grow gradually, is what that means. It's one day going to spread out and incorporate all the nations are going to be in the kingdom of God. And we're seeing that happen now, aren't we? And we're excited that the Commonwealth Games, we will see many nations coming from across the world, and many of them will know the Lord Jesus Christ because the kingdom has, is growing. It's growing for the last 2,000 years, and it will continue to do so. But it's also a hidden treasure and a pearl, it says in verses 44 and 45. The kingdom is priceless. It is more important than anything else. More important than anything else. More important than our own kingdoms. More important than our houses, our cars, our wealth, our family. It is a hidden treasure. Treasure. But it's also a net in verses 47 to 50. The kingdom of God is decisive. It will sort the righteous from the unrighteous. There is a judgment day, and we'll see that in a little bit in the parable we're looking at. Those who trust in Jesus will be brought into the kingdom. Those that don't will be separated. And it's stark, isn't it? A fiery furnace. Hell is real. Well, at the start of chapter 13, there is the parable of the sower shows how the kingdom of God is mysterious, that there's the announcement of the kingdom to everybody. The seed gets scattered to everybody, but only the good soil will hear it and understand it and enjoy the fruits and the joy of being in God's kingdom. But then we come to our passage today, the wheat and the weeds, the parable of the weeds. The the good soil will produce an abundant crop, but that is only half the story. There's more to be said in this parable that we see here It focuses on what is the actual experience of believers in the world? What is the actual experience of the true believer in this world? And so we're going to look at that now. We're going to read that. So please um, have a look at verses 24 to 30, and then we're going to continue to 36 to 43 as well. Here we go. It reads this. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? The enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Well, wouldn't it be great if um, someone explained that to us and what that really meant? And we only have to, and it's great because it does just a few verses on in verse 36. Jesus explains to the disciples what he meant by that. And so it'd be silly not to look at that. So let's turn at verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. You see the confusion on their face, can't you? He answered, the, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. 
The man is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, that um, it is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, I pray that we would really truly believe that. I pray that we would um, hear from you today. Lord, it's your spirit that is at work um, through this, and I pray that my words would be your words. I pray that anything that's not from you would just be um, ignored. Lord, but I, I do ask and pray that we would have hearts that are, are willing to change, Lord. Pray that we would be people that have ears that are willing to listen and that your word would do its work through us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm just going to see um, five things that we can learn from, I believe that we can learn from Jesus' story today. Well, firstly, we see the owner in the field. As followers of Jesus, we can trust that it is Christ owns this world. Followers of Jesus, we can trust that it is Christ that owns this world. Verse 24 says, Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The one who sows the good seed in his field, it is his field. And we're told in verse 38 whose field it is. It is the son of man's. That's how Jesus refers to himself 84 times in the gospel is he is the son of man. Jesus owns the world. Jesus owns the world. Does it feel like that? I don't know about you, but the news at the moment, I mean, the news is never that happy, is it? But particularly at the moment, it just seems that there's so much stuff going on that you almost just want to switch off and not not look at it. Thing after thing after thing. Saddened by the, the, the war in Ukraine of the living prices, the, the evil that we see going on is apparent every time you turn on the news. It doesn't always look like Jesus is ruling and reigning as well here and now. But we see the reason why it looks like the way. We see that there is an enemy. It makes it clear there is an enemy. As followers of Jesus, we must remember that the devil is real. And that we have an enemy. Verse 25 says, While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. There is an enemy. And we can't understand the world today that we live in unless we take into account the work of the enemy. Do you believe the devil is real? I think we can say it. We say we do. Do we actually truly believe that the devil is real and that he is working world because quote from the usual suspects one of the greatest films ever the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist true isn't it don't always believe that he is the devil is real but jesus knew that the devil was real 
Look at how the Bible refers to the devil. It calls him the accuser, a liar, a deceiver of the whole world, an adversary, a roaming lion, the enemy, the god of this age, the tempter, the father of lies, the evil one, the ruler of demons. And as I was preparing this this week and was kind of like, yeah, the devil's real, he is real. I saw him at work so many times this week, even in my own life. I saw him how he was trying to attack me certain ways this week. Each and every day this week, something has happened where something I was struggling with, the devil was t- telling me lies in my head, and I started believing them. He's real. We need to be aware that he is here. He is real. He is at work. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to be careful. We don't underplay the power of the enemy. Why did Jesus come? He came to offer repentance for our sins, uh, to come and offer, um, so to believe in him. He we come and die for our sins, to pay the price that we couldn't pay. Aims to destroy the enemy, which was death. The power of this enemy is so great, the work of this enemy is so vast that it took an incarnation, a cross, and a resurrection to bring his kingdom, the devil's kingdom, to defeat. That's what it took. It took a lot. But it has been defeated. We live in the time where the kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet fully realized. We're in part one. Part two comes, and we see at the end of our passage today what happens when, when Jesus returns. But we need to remember that we can trust, we have to trust that it's he that is rule of this world. We have to remember that the devil is real, but also we have to remember that we've got to be alert. The devil's work is destructive. That's why he's come. It is destructive. We see that Jesus talks about it here. <clears throat> the seed is the people who are growing where they're planted in this world. There are two sowers, but there are two kinds of seed. The different seeds are the different kinds of people. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom, true Christians, people that live under God's rule and reign. And then there's the weeds. Pastor Jesus is clear. These are the sons of the evil one. People who, like the evil one, place themselves on their own throne, all of their own lives. But, but what I want us to see today is the destructiveness of the seed in Christ's field. That's his motivation. He has no positive objective in mind other than to cause destruction. That's why... Christians today, we face, pers- we face persecution and opposition is because the kingdom of heaven is contested now. There's two things going on. Good seed, the weeds, the bad seed. Let's put it in modern language that basically this passage is Jesus is talking about. There's industrial, um, industrial sabotage going on. Biological warfare is basically what he's talking about here. You can imagine the film now. Disney will bring this out, I'm sure, in the future. A kind, gentle loving landowner who only uses the best seed in his field to make the best fruit for the world. But one night, 
His neighbor comes out of jealousy and spite and decides to attack using biological warfare. A new seed, a poisonous seed that looks like wheat, looks like, uh, looks like wheat, but actually poisonous. Anyone that eats it dies. It's a great film, isn't it? Hating it. But actually, it's the story of the Bible. It is the story of the Bible, and there have been many films made about it. But, but there is the good seed, and there is the serpent seed. Seed of the devil. There's, look at Cain. What did he do? He kills Abel. What did Egypt do? They imprison Israel. What did the Philistines do? They attack Judah, God's people. What do the Assyrians and Babylonians do? They exile Israel into Judah. Good seed, and there is bad seed. There is spiritual warfare throughout the Bible. See it everywhere. The devil is out to destroy. He's out to oppose true Christians. through growing his kingdom. And opposing those who love Jesus. I think something that stuck with me from last week, Kenny was talking about... Um, uh, he used some examples from C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. I was reading a little bit of it this week. And devil's schemes are also to spread lies and dissatisfaction in true believers' lives as well, to entangle us. So we must be alert at the devil's work. Don't be surprised by the evil one's work in this world. And just some things that stood out to me when I was reading screw tape letters this week. If you're familiar with it, basically it's a senior demon, screw tape, is trying to help his nephew, Wormwood, keep a new Christian and keep them to slide away from their faith, pulling them away from Christ. And screw tape is not happy with the, uh, uh, the, the school that he's been to and the teaching that he's received there about how to tempt people away from Jesus. And so screw tape writes a number of letters with tried and tested techniques of how to pull a Christian away and, uh, from. Look what he says, and these ones stood out to me. Maybe some of them stand out to you. Screwtape writes, Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he's finding his place in it, but really it's finding its place in him. Maybe that's something causing some dissatisfaction in your life at the moment. There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy, that is Jesus. He, Jesus, wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. A moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all, but all the more amusing. Devil loves people that play at being love people that are tepid. They find it he finds it amusing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. People that he can pick off that aren't part of a body. See, I ask you this because where are your weak points? Where are your weak points? What are you predisposed to be attacked? Where are you predisposed to be attacked? If we, if we don't even know we're in a battle, we're going to lose that battle. But if we do know we're in a battle, where are we? Where is, um, where's the evil one at work? Where is he trying to pick you off? Where, what's he trying to... He's trying to find your weak points. Where are they? We need to know them and we need to battle them. We are in a battle, a spiritual battle. Well, we see in the next... Um, see, 
we can also expect growth. We can also expect growth. So we need to trust that Jesus is the one who owns this world. We also remember that the devil is real and that his plans are to be destructive and we need to be alert and know what battles we're facing. But also, as followers of Jesus, we are to grow in our faith where God has rooted us. Where God has rooted us. See, evil will grow alongside good until Jesus returns. Evil will grow alongside good until evil returns. And that's what Jesus is teaching. We're going to need wisdom if we are going to sustain a lifetime of being on God's mission. We need to understand the nature of the world that we're living in. I was just, um, yesterday I went, had a university reunion with um, some friends from university, funny enough. We were all 40 this past year. And um, as I went up to see them yesterday, the, the plan was, it was an afternoon and an evening of them of going out and just doing what university life people do at university, living as if we were 20 years younger. Um, it was hard. There was myself and there was one other believer that, that, that was there. And it was hard going. In the first couple of hours, I really, really struggled in being there. I'll be honest, I didn't really want to be there at one point. The the conversation, all those things was really hard going. Disappointed me and saddened me. And then I realized that actually, um, then I realized actually that the Lord had put me there for a reason for that day. Be there. to, To actually see what it's like in the world again. I'll confess the last two years of, of kind of training to be a pastor and so forth has been wonderful and good. But actually, I feel slightly more removed from the world than I ever have done. And it was a reminder of thinking, no, the, the world is very different. And many of you go out into it each and every single day and, uh, and see the things that go on. I just want to encourage us that the, that the Lord has planted us where we are in the here and now for a reason, amongst the weeds. We are planted amongst the weeds. The seed is sown wherever we're, and the Lord, has, the Lord has sown us where we are, and we are to grow in our faith where we are. And that is amongst people that don't know him. Is the world getting worse or better? Both. The world is getting better because there's more believers, more people are coming to faith across the world. But also... The world is getting worse. Roots, the good seed and the bad seed are getting stronger. And there is more evil that we see in the world, I think, today. There's also much good across the world. China, India, North Korea, some of the most dangerous places to be a Christian. Seeds have been planted, good seeds have been planted, and they're growing and the church is growing. But what I wanted to encourage us in is that stay rooted where you are. Like, where has God rooted you down today? Where are you? Where have you been sown? It's very easy to, to think, actually, I would want to be removed from this world, that I would not want to be part and parcel of what I saw yesterday and the things that were happening. But actually, we cannot be removed from this world. We need to be light in this dark place. Sometimes we need to be careful not to withdraw from it. Wouldn't it be easier if I just lived in a Christian commune and everything was lovely, or it was oikos every single day? It would be lovely, and that would be 
have a taste of heaven each and every single week. But we are to be among the weeds. We are the ones that God has given the message to go and tell. It was a great opportunity yesterday after two hours of thinking, oh, I really want to go home and see my wife and kids. Then two hours later, just an amazing opportunity with a guy who I didn't know, even though I went to our university, but a friend of a friend, and he just shared how he had had a breakdown and tried to kill himself a few weeks ago. And just an opportunity to offer hope to him was amazing. So I just want to encourage you. There are opportunities. We are to bloom where we've been planted. We are to grow our faith where we are. So we are to get stuck into the community of believers, into, this, into the church community, and seek to reach the weeds with the gospel. And so my prayer, as we talked already about this week, is over the next few weeks with people from all the nations coming across to Birmingham, what a great opportunity it is to get amongst the weeds, share Christ. So, sorry, I, went all over, I lost my, my place there, so I completely apologize. But um, as followers of Jesus, we must trust that it's he that owns the world. Remember the devil is real. Remember that there's a destructive work that he's trying to do. But also remember that he is as rooted where we are. Be rooted where you are. Trust that you're here for a reason and for a purpose. And finally, as followers of Jesus, we see the harvest is coming. We can leave the judgment of the world to him. We can leave the judgment of the world to him. Well, in my late teens, I wanted to make some money. And so my dad kind of, Take a cut, maybe he took a cut. But basically, I would go and do some gardening for different people in the church that he kind of hooked me up with. And then the neighbour opposite saw that I was doing gardening and um, so asked if I would go over and weed her garden at the back. Oh, no problem, it would be an absolute pleasure. And so I spent about three or four hours um, at Elsie Fletcher, um, Elsie Fletcher's house, um, weeding everything. <laughs> you should have seen the soil by the end of it. There was nothing in it. It was beautiful. It was like prime compost or whatever you buy from the shop it was even better than that it was ready for anything to be planted in and anything would grow well two weeks later my dad was chuckling to himself and my sister was and my mum was because um they'd found out that actually elsie had said um, dan did a a good good job he certainly weeded everything but he also removed every flower that i'd planted see my problem was i didn't know the difference between a weed (laughs) or a flower at that point because they hadn't bloomed and I'd literally, she'd spent hours the day before, uh, 85 years old, planting flowers. Well, obviously, my gardening business did not take off. And quickly, people, I will tell you the other story about when I cut someone's TV line down by accident. But anyway, that was, that's for another story. But I didn't recognize the weeds and the flower. I didn't recognize it. So, see, I know I've actually offered to you to come help at your allotment, haven't I, and say, you may well not want me to now, and that's fine, but the offer still stands for you doing what you're doing. Um, But I didn't know the difference between a weed and a flower. And so what we can trust is that it's God who judges. God who judges. He knows. So we're to be faithful with the message that we've been given to tell others about him. We are to be amongst the weeds. because We don't know who is going to be saved. That's encouraging and exciting, isn't it? To think that he is saving. It says, let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus owns the world. He sows the good seed in it. The devil sows weeds. 
try and ultimately, uh, but he will ultimately fail. Jesus will return. He will come and the, the, um, the weeds will be taken off and the wheat will go to be with Jesus. The day of judgment has not come yet. We can pray for the kingdom to come. We can't hurry it along. Yes, Lord, please do return. But we don't know when it's going to happen. Let's pray that he would, but, but let's remember that it's the, the judgment belongs to Christ. It's not given for us to do. We are to prosper the city. We are to be light in the dark world. We are to point people to Christ. We are to preach, uh, preach Christ. We are to stand in the, up in the face of opposition for Christ. But we can rest assured and we take encouragement that it's he that will judge. Brutate warns Wormwood, makes this warning to Wormwood. He says, do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemies, that's Jesus' will, looks round upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks, why has he been forsaken? Yet he still obeys. Because even when the world doesn't look like Jesus is in control, even when you might be feeling, this is a hard life, even when you are filled, are surrounded by people that just don't seem to, or that forsake Jesus, let's keep intending to do his will. Keep intending to do his will. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and I'll finish here, but I was listening to a podcast yesterday on my way up to Leeds, and um, a guy called um, Sam Aubrey, and uh, I think it's Ray Ortland, were having a discussion. Ray asks Sam, what's been a verse that's really helped you and he read Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he says this, he says, whatever else is going on around us, Jesus Christ will build his church. The church is not a hobby. It's not a side project. He's not a part-timer. Church is his passion project. Building his kingdom is his passion project. That's where his heart is. Is that Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We, we can interpret that as whatever the devil throws at the church, at his people, um, uh, we can stand it. But he says a gate is not a weapon. He's just realized this for the first time in years. He realized the gate is not a weapon. It's a defense. So this is not grit your teeth that we're not going to be wiped out by the devil. This is the gates of hell will not prevail against us. In fact, we need to be on the offensive, on the spiritual offensive. And he says the devil will lose property, he will lose people, and the church will gain them because Jesus Christ is building his church. And if he's building it, there is nothing the devil can do to thwart it. Nothing he can do to thwart it. So hopefully there's an encouragement there. Nothing can thwart that God is building his kingdom. Jesus is building his kingdom. It's amazing, isn't it? It doesn't look like it always in the, in the UK, does it? It seems like we're losing people to the faith, but actually across the world, the kingdom is growing. Millions upon millions of people are coming to faith. It's wonderful, isn't it? But it does leave with the question, are you a wheat or a weed? If there is a day that you've not given your life to Jesus, you're not professing as your Lord and Saviour, not repented of your sins and turned to him. There is a separation that Jesus talks about here. Where will you be? Where will you be? 
But for those that know and love Jesus, look what it says um, at the end of verse 43. It says, The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Isn't that great? The righteous shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. That's what I want to be doing. I don't know about you. Let him who have ears, let them hear. Guys, just, um, I think we may have run out of time here, but feel free to take a picture of these and maybe discuss them at um, the group this week or whatever you might be doing, or we'll spend some time reflecting on them. But, but think about what stood out to you from this passage as you read it, what stands out to you. But, but also, maybe over our lunch when we go ahead to Rookery Park, encourage one another, where do you see the kingdom of God at work? Sometimes we're very quick to say that it's not happening here in the UK or we don't see people being saved. But actually, where do we see him at work? In your own life, in your own GC, in your community, around the world, where do we see it happening? Where are your weak points? We talked about this already. What, what is the battle that you are in? What battle are you facing? Where are you predisposed to be attacked? We've got to know what battle we're facing. and We need to face it head on. Thirdly, where has God got you planted? Who can you be purposely praying for, for God to save within your community? Maybe what areas, of, uh, what areas would you like to see growth in your life? But do please, I'll, I'll email these out as well this week. Um, I'm going to pray for us. as we Father God, we want to praise you and thank you.